Hello, I'm Dr. Ted Cole, and welcome to the first episode of Life, Health, and Healing. Since this is our first episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about myself so you have an idea of uh, who's behind this voice. I went to Center College in Danville, Kentucky, and there I majored in psychobiology with a minor in biochemistry and molecular biology. Then went to Western Kentucky University, got a graduate degree with a double major in clinical and experimental psychology. After that, I worked with children and families in an outpatient unit for a few years in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I went to Ohio University and got my medical degree, followed by an internship at Detroit Osteopathic Hospital and residency at Doctors Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Got my board certification in family practice, and I'm also board certified in integrative medicine. I then obtained a naturopathic medical degree, and I'm also a fellow in the American Association of Integrative Medicine. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea about my background and where I'm coming from with things. And today, of course, we're going to be talking about ways we can treat and prevent COVID-19, flus, colds, and other things like that. So let's get into some of the research. Now, this one is a double-blind, placebo-controlled study. So if you ask most researchers, that's the gold standard for our studies. And what they looked at was they gave individuals 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C three times a day. And what they found is that resulted in prevention of cold and flus by about 85%. So there's no drug that does that. (laughs) And they mention here, and this I think is kind of interesting, for more than 30 years, vitamin C and mega doses quantities has been recognized as an effective agent against colds and flus. 30 years. Now, this study was published in 1999. So that means they're going back to 1969 that this has been known. It's no secret. It's out there and it's very well established. The title of this one is The Effectiveness of Vitamin C in Preventing and Relieving the Symptoms of Virus-Induced Respiratory Infections. That was published in the Journal of Manipulative and Physiological Therapeutics, like I say, in 1999. So that one's been around even by itself for a while now. And here's another study that looked at a combination of vitamin C and zinc, and for the common cold. Again, they're finding great results with this. They saw a significant reduction not only in the number of infections people got, but also if they did get infections, It greatly reduced the symptoms, severity, and the number of days that it lasted for. So it reduced the time that they were ill. So this one is called a combination of high-dose vitamin C plus zinc for the common cold. That was published in Journal of Internal Medicine Research in 2012. And in that dose, uh, I'm sorry, in that study, they were also using doses of 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C plus 10 milligrams of zinc. Now on to another one that also looked at vitamin C and zinc. This one, they were looking at kind of a more general overview of things. And as they state, a large number of randomized controlled intervention trials with intakes of up to one gram of vitamin C and up to 30 milligrams of zinc are available. And they document how well this works, meaning there's again a tremendous reduction in the number of colds and flus and also if flus and colds 
do occur, a great reduction in the time that it lasts and the severity of it. This one is called Immune Enhancing Role of Vitamin C and Zinc and Effect on Clinical Conditions. It was published in 2006, Annals of Nutritional Metabolism. So when you read things about vitamin C not being effective, there's a reason for that. And the reason is that they use the oldest trick in the playbook, which is to use inadequate doses. So you'll see studies and they say vitamin C does not work against cold or anything else. Well, when you really look at what they're using, typically they're using somewhere like 200 milligrams a day. And you have to wonder, why are they doing that? Well, it's to try to decrease the availability of information about vitamin C in the sense of its effectiveness. The FDA, the CDC, the medical societies all have basically attacked vitamin C for decades now saying it doesn't really work. But what they do, like I say, they publish studies in which they use inadequate doses and they say it doesn't work. Well, I can prove in the same way that drinking water does not reverse dehydration. How? Well, I'll just limit the amount of water a dehydrated person can drink. So if I say, well, they could only drink one ounce of water per day, and therefore that shows that water does not re uh, reverse dehydration. It's nonsense, but it's the same way in which they try to say vitamin C doesn't work. They use inadequate doses. The other way that they attack it is by the route of administration. So you will get different blood levels depending on if you're taking vitamin C orally versus intravenously. So if you're dealing with something serious, like a serious COVID-19 infection, for instance, you really are best using intravenous doses. So where do we hear some of that information? I'm going to read a quote here you. And please uh, forgive my pronunciation on some of this, but here's the quote. At my hospital in Daegu, South Korea, and that's D-A-E-G-U, all inpatients and all staff members have been using vitamin C orally since last week. Some people this week had a mild fever, headaches, and coughs, and those who had symptoms got 30,000 milligrams intravenous vitamin C. Some people got better after about two days, and most had symptoms go away after one injection. That quote is by Dr. Shin, S-H-I-N, M-D. So, they're finding great success over there. Here's another quote. We need to broadcast a message worldwide very quickly. Vitamin C, small or large dose, does no harm to people and is the one of the few, if not the only agent, that has a chance to prevent us from getting and can treat COVID-19 infection. When can we, medical doctors and scientists, put patients' lives first? That quote is from Dr. Richard Cheng, C-H-E-N-G, an MD, PhD, the International Vitamin C China Epidemic Medical Support Team Leader. I think these people kind of have an idea of what they're talking about. Not only are they familiar with the vitamin C literature, but they also have experience in treating COVID-19 and with great results. Now, I've also seen, this was on Yahoo's homepage, <laughs> where there was an article that was saying vitamin C is useless, doesn't work, and in fact stated that vitamin, vitamin C could kill you. Now, that is just an outright lie. I mean, there's just no way around it. It is a total bald-faced lie. 
And how can I say that? Well, in the 2018 annual report of the American Association of Poison Control Centers National Poison Data System, they found not only no deaths from vitamin C, but no deaths from any supplements of any kind whatsoever. And if you go back for several years, you find the same results. No deaths from supplements. So this was published in Clinical Toxicology in 2019, and every year they put one out. Now compare that with the toll from drugs. Every year, at least over, typically 100,000 people die from drugs. And this is not drug abuse. This is not somebody going out and buy heroin laced with fentanyl or anything like that. These are appropriately prescribed medications taken by patients as prescribed by their physicians. You can imagine the outcry if vitamin C or any other vitamins killed 100,000 people a year and more. Well, this is exactly what's happening with drugs, yet nobody raises any fuss about that whatsoever. Some people also will say they can't take vitamin C because they have what's called G6PD deficiency. Now, G6PD is an enzyme. It, it kind of helps protect red blood cells. So what happens is if it's not working properly, you can get what's called hemolysis, which means red blood cells are being destroyed. But here's a study. It was British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, published in 2017. And I quote, our review found that at therapeutic doses, there is little evidence to preclude the use of vitamin C and G6PD deficient patients. There's a lot of confusion about this and a lot of misinformation. I've had patients tell me they can't take vitamin C because they have this G6PD deficiency. This is not true. In fact, the research is showing that even people with this problem can probably take intravenous vitamin C up to 25 grams or 25,000 milligrams. So orally shouldn't be a problem here either. Now, those two, vitamin C and zinc, are not the only ones that can be helpful. Here's one that's looking at vitamin D. And this study is called a randomized trial vitamin D supplementation to prevent seasonal influenza A in school children. And what they found was, again, a tremendous reduction in the rate and the severity of infections. And there were no side effects. That study was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition in 2010. So again, this is a 20-year-old study. <laughs> These things are not new. They've been known for quite a while. Another study kind of looked at the overall effects of vitamin D and or is talking about the kind of mechanisms that it has that can reduce the risk of infections. What I want to point out is that it helps reduce what's called a cytokine storm. That's something that causes inflammation and damage in the lungs that can lead to respiratory distress syndrome, which is what we're seeing in COVID-19 patients. So vitamin D is extremely helpful in that. And this was published in, uh, let's see the date, uh, 2020, so this is a recent one, evidence that vitamin D supplementation could reduce in risk of influenza and COVID-19 infections and deaths. That was published in the journal Nutrients. Now, the thing with vitamin D is that you can take a couple thousand units probably safely with, from anybody, but you really should get your blood tested for vitamin D levels. Now, you have to interpret these levels yourself, unfortunately, because the lab normals are wrong. Women should have a level of at least 60, 
and men should have a level of at least 50. The lab values will not tell you that, and most doctors will not, unfortunately, tell you that as well. But other research has shown that's kind of the sweet spot for increased prevention of both these infections and things like cancer. The other part is that you must always take vitamin K with vitamin D. And the short story there is that vitamin D helps with calcium absorption, but it's vitamin K that controls distribution. And if you take vitamin D by itself, you get increased risks over time of little things like strokes and heart attacks and arthritis. Calcium is just going everywhere. Now, here's what I can hear people saying. I can't take vitamin K because I'm on an anticoagulant. This is not true partially because it depends on what type of vitamin K you're talking about. There are several types. The one we're referring to is called M7K2. This does not interfere with the clotting mechanism. You can take it safely if you're on Coumadin or any other agent like that. It will not cause any harm, but it will prevent any of the vitamin D side effects if you use it by itself. So always, always take K with D and get your blood levels checked. It's a simple blood test. So what's the bottom line here? Well, what I recommend for prevention is 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C three times a day, zinc 20 to 30 milligrams once a day, and vitamin D, whatever level you need to get those values into the ideal range. That can be anywhere from nothing, if you have high levels, all the way up to even 15 to 20,000 units of vitamin D per day. So if you want to be just you know proactive, you can probably take a couple thousand units before you get your blood tested, but I do urge you to do that. Otherwise, the usual precautions occur, you know, plenty of sleep, good diet, those kind of things. But that uh, is what I would recommend for prevention. In treatment, if you're starting to come down with a cold, what I recommend you do is start taking 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C every 15 to 20 minutes. What will happen is that when you reach what we call saturation, you'll start to get loose stools. At that point, just reduce the dose down and spread out the time between doses. That will typically get rid of a cold one to two days. I mean, it works extremely well. I personally don't get colds hardly at all. I've probably had, I don't know, two or three in the last 30 years. But this uh, winter, I got a, a doozy. I had a temperature of over 103. It was 103.4 at one point that I took it. And I followed that regimen. And that cold lasted for 24 hours, more or less. And I was at work the next day without a fever or any other problems. So I can vouch not only from the science, but also from personal experience that this approach works. Now, the other question, why aren't you reading this in the media. I don't know. Other than, like I say, there's been a concerted effort to badmouth vitamin C, but I've contacted the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, one of the local broadcasting stations, uh, and I've also contacted the University of Cincinnati COVID response team about using vitamin C for COVID-19. I got zero responses. In my office, we're also being told by our suppliers that vitamin C is becoming scarce and they can't always supply what we need. The reason being that it's being shipped to hospitals. So obviously hospitals are picking up on this, to, at least to some degree, 
and they're ordering more and more vitamin C, but why aren't you seeing a report in the media? This, I think, is a horrible, horrible thing that is actually causing probably people to either lose their life or suffer from more severe side effects from this infection, which I, I think truly is unconscionable. So thanks for listening. That is the end of this podcast. Thanks for listening, listening to Life, Health, and Healing, and I will talk with you later.